0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Highway Community's weekly podcast. It's really great to be here with you, whether you're tuning in live or after the fact. Thank you for joining in. Today, we're continuing on in our teaching series, Unbounded, in which we're moving through the beautiful story found in the book of Ruth and looking at the ways that God redeems trying times in unexpected ways through relationships, relationships which are marked by hesed. Hesed is a Hebrew word which is challenging to translate because it's just too big and too complex to be contained in a single word. It's multifaceted and encompasses multiple rich dimensions, and so we're setting aside some time to explore it together. Hesed is a special and unique kind of love, God's kind of love that He extends to us and has in store for us to extend to others. It is a dynamic love it is God's unbounded love in motion John started us off in our journey through the story of Ruth and we looked at the unshakable and enduring loyalty that Ruth has for her mother-in-law Naomi This was demonstrated in a deeply moving way as she clung to her on the road to Bethlehem in chapter 1 Hesed encompasses unfailing love and today As we continue on in this narrative and move through Chapter 2, we'll look at another dimension of Hesed. Today, we're exploring generous love. It's been a few weeks, so before we dive in, let's recap and reflect on where our characters were when we left off. As Chapter 1 drew to a close, Naomi and Ruth had left Moab with nothing. Naomi's husband and both of her sons died during her 10 years in Moab, and Ruth, a Moabite who was married to one of those sons, had left behind everything, her community, her God, and her entire way of life as she knew it, and is relocating to a nation that despises her people. And so with all this, the backdrop of tragedy is set as these two widows arrive in Israel. However, against this darkness is a glimmer of light. The famine which drove Naomi and her family away from Israel a decade ago has ended. And here we see Ruth and Naomi arriving at the beginning of the harvest, a tangible sign of God's blessing and provision. And they arrive at the start of not just any harvest, they arrive at the beginning of the barley harvest, the first harvest. You see, barley matures relatively quickly, and while it was sown at about the same time as wheat, barley matured a full month earlier. So the season was a particularly joyful one because it heralded the time in which all crops could be harvested. And because of barley's quick maturation rate, it was also often used as an offering at the Festival of First Fruits, which is an Old Testament festival devoted to remembering that God is trustworthy. The barley season literally ushered in a more expansive season of celebrating and enjoying God's provision and abundance. So let's continue on in this narrative and see what this harvest with such rich meaning in history, foretells. As today's passage unfolds, we see Ruth and Naomi talking on a plan to get food. With Naomi's blessing, Ruth takes the initiative and sets out to get food through a practice called gleaning. Gleaning was a part of God's design for providing for the poor. In Leviticus 19:9 9, and 10, we find details of this practice in the instructions that God gave to Moses to share with the Israelites. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. The idea here was that landowners were not to fully harvest their fields, but rather they were to cut corners by leaving food in hard-to-reach places and allow food that was dropped to be left behind so that the poor and the foreigner, folks like Ruth, could gather it. So Ruth participates in this wonderful design for provision that God has architected and she's gleaning and we find her doing this in the field of a man named Boaz. We're told that Boaz is related to Naomi through her deceased husband, Elimelech, and that he's a man of character, that he's a man of standing. This Hebrew phrase used here is often translated as mighty man of valor. In First and Second Kings, this phrase is translated as valiant soldier, and was also used to refer to a person of ability or wealth. So think of a well-resourced knight. He's one of the good guys. So, Ruth just so happens to be working in Boaz's field, and Boaz just so happens to be related to Naomi. Imagine that. Such a coincidence. I mean, such a coincidence that there's zero chance it's a coincidence. This is no accident. You can literally see God's hand architecting the story as it unfolds. So let's continue on with our story. Boaz arrives on the scene and notices Ruth right away. He asks about her and gets the lowdown on her. She's the Moabite who left behind everything to be here with her mother-in-law. She's a hard worker who's been working diligently in the field since morning. Well, after hearing all this, Boaz approaches Ruth and pours out this stunning display of generosity. Starting in verse 8, we read, So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Boaz extends this term of endearment to Naomi and refers to her as his daughter. And then he goes on to extend these very tangible physical provisions to her. And then he blesses her, saying, May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then, after extending all this, Boaz shares a meal with Ruth. She's given all the food she wants. In fact, so much that she has leftovers to take home. So after a full day, Ruth comes home with those leftovers and about 30 pounds of barley. That's a lot of barley. If you've ever bought a bag of rice at Costco, you kind of get it. Ruth arrives home with this massive haul of grain Well, Naomi sees this and is totally astonished. After Ruth tells Naomi about her incredible day, she responds, The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. The word kindness here translates to the Hebrew word hesed. Now, this might sound familiar, in the first week of our teaching series, we encountered this word translated in the same way when Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, May the Lord show you kindness, or hesed, when she was encouraging them to return to their homeland, which was then followed by a moving demonstration of unfailing love, a facet of hesed. With this picture still in view, here we see yet another facet of this rich and complex and dynamic word. We see that hesed is marked by generosity. Simply put, generosity is living out God's abundance to others. Generosity is living out God's abundance to others. This is beautifully and vividly seen in the budding relationship between Boaz and Ruth. Boaz animates God's abundance to Ruth by going well above and beyond the call of duty in a range of ways. First, he provides food. Not only does he allow her to gather barley in his field, he changes up the rules to ensure that she gathers a ton of it. While the Levitical law commands that the poor be allowed to gather after the harvesters, Boaz tells his men to allow Ruth to gather among the harvesters and to gather directly from the sheaves. And he even instructs them to pull out entire stalks for her and leave them for her to pick up, which would result in a much more substantial take. Remember, a Costco-sized take. So Boaz grants Ruth special access so that she can go home with much more grain and with much less effort. And what's more, through this change-up, Boaz honors Ruth's dignity. His change-up to allow her to gather among the harvesters rather than trail several stages behind is really striking against the backdrop of tradition, not only because it allows her to gather more food, but because it elevates Ruth in the way she can access that food. And to drive the point home, Boaz even tells his workers not to reprimand or rebuke her in the process. And something to take note of here is that Ruth is still working for her food. She's not getting a handout. She's not gathering from the harvesters. She's gathering among them. Her dignity is being preserved. All of these gestures are massively significant against a backdrop of the shame and honor culture which was so prominent in the ancient Near East. In addition to this, Boaz also provides physical protection to Ruth. He tells his men not to lay a hand on her. Women were vulnerable in this male-dominated society, and Boaz knows that her physical safety wasn't to be taken for granted. Also. Boaz knows that gleaning takes a big toll on the body, and so he tells Ruth that whenever she's thirsty, she should drink water from the stashes that have been set aside by his men. Boaz's antenna is way up as he thinks about extending physical protection to her. And in addition to all this, Boaz includes Ruth in his community and welcomes her to his table. He tells her not to glean anywhere else and to do so only in his field and with his community where he can watch over her and continue to provide for her. And he makes space for her at his table to enjoy a midday meal. Sharing a table with someone spoke volumes in the ancient Near East. Besides sharing food, it was a way of extending acceptance, welcome and inclusion. So here we find Ruth, the widowed foreigner, the Moabite, at a table and a place of acceptance and community with a landowner and his harvesters. So Boaz provides food, honors dignity, provides physical protection, and extends community to Ruth. What can be seen here is that Boaz himself is a manifestation of the blessing he extended to Ruth back in verse 12. He is a manifestation of the wings of God under which Ruth can seek refuge. And this is because he does something about the needs he sees. What we see in Boaz is that Generosity manifests itself in action. We see what Naomi meant when she said of Boaz that he has not stopped showing his kindness, or Hesed, to the living and the dead. Hesed isn't armchair love, Hesed motivates movement, it motivates giving and sharing of ourselves with others. It motivates sharing resource, energy, privilege, or power, something in the well, if you will, to actively do something about the needs of others without claim or straightforward access to whatever is in that well. Boaz, a man of valor, a man of standing, and a man of resource, extends himself to a vulnerable widow, a woman with no means, and a foreigner from an enemy nation. He generously lives out God's abundance to this person who sits on the very lowest rung of the social ladder, someone whom society would just as soon not provide for. And through this, God does a redemptive work as Ruth comes home with an abundance of much-needed food, has her dignity upheld, is physically safe, and is blessed by community and inclusion. The active and generous love seen here in the relationship between Boaz and Ruth is a reflection of the active, inclusive, and generous love that Jesus had for everyone he encountered when he walked on the earth. Seen in the way he extended acceptance and living water to a woman of low social standing at a well. Seen in the way he compassionately taught a crowd after he and his disciples attempted to withdraw to a solitary place after a tiring full day of ministry. Seen in the way that after all that teaching with his disciples, Jesus miraculously fed those people all 5,000 of them. Seen in the way, he allowed himself to be interrupted to give sight to a blind man on a crowded road as he was on his way to the cross. Jesus lived a generous and interruptible life as he taught, healed, touched, and was present with others constantly. And what we see here is a reflection of the active, inclusive, and generous love that Jesus has for all of humanity. Scripture tells us that Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus willingly descended to earth and stepped into the uncomfortable space of humanity. He willingly divested himself of privilege and power. He gave all of that up and took on all of the limitations of humankind for us, for all of us. The incarnation paints the ultimate picture of undeserved, active, and unbounded generosity to the broken at the expense of the whole, so that paradoxically, through Christ's brokenness, all of humanity can experience wholeness in him. Jesus shows us what it looks like to live out God's abundance to others. And we see in his perfect example that God works through the abundance of others to redeem. And that this redemption can often come in unexpected and even surprising ways. Jesus came not as a military conqueror, but as a baby who would grow and live within the margins of society and dwell with the least and left out. Through the life of Jesus, We see the way God writes unexpected stories of redemption when his people animate his extravagant and unbounded love. So, how do we cultivate a generous heart so that we can live out God's abundance to others? We see in our passage today that generosity starts with awareness. Noticing and seeing others, including and especially those that the world tends not to see, is a first step in living out God's abundance. Boaz noticed Ruth immediately, and what was the first thing he did? He asked about her, and then after hearing about her, he got to know her personally by dining with her. Being aware of others' needs is a vital step in cultivating a generous heart. And becoming aware of the needs of others through being in relationship with them is a great way to do that. We also see from our passage that generous acts birth other generous acts. Boaz was a generous person before he even met Ruth. The fact that he upheld the gleaning law says a lot about him. You see, this wasn't a universally held practice. The story takes place in the time that the judges ruled, a chaotic time where there was no central authority and everyone did as they saw fit. So, while the generous farmer would leave food for those who really needed it, the greedy farmer would fully harvest their field. So taking a first step of generosity is important to taking a second step of generosity, and so on. Taking action is important because as we exercise the muscle of generosity, the giving and sharing of ourselves and our resources, generous acts become more instinctive, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, a generous heart is cultivated and expands. We serve a God who expands hearts and multiplies resources and supplies needs abundantly. Yet so many wrestle with scarcity. The world says life is a zero-sum game and the one with the most toys wins. But God calls us to a different way of living. God calls us to more. Chesed is a norm-busting phenomenon which, through the power of the Spirit, relies upon God's mysterious and multiplying and abundant provision so that His kingdom would be made known on earth just as it is in heaven for the praise of His glory. God calls us to trust in His abundance and live out His abundance. And he calls us to be aware and to take extravagant action and come under what he is doing in order to manifest his wings of refuge for others. Opportunities to press into this are everywhere. Once a month, Highway prepares and distributes over 200 hot meals to folks experiencing difficult times in our city, This is facilitated through a weekly ministry at Hope's Corner in downtown Mountain View. The next Highway Hope's Corner Day is coming right up on Wednesday, June 16th, and we could use a few more folks to help from 10.15 in the morning to 1 o'clock that day. Also, Highway will be hosting an event for older adults to simply enjoy the company of one another and of others. Community has been longed for so very much during this prolonged season of isolation. And this is particularly true for older adults who are already vulnerable to loneliness and isolation. The date for this event is TBD. But if you're interested in coming to receive as well as extend community and or if you're interested in supporting the event through providing a potluck item, that would be wonderful. We can fill you in on the details when there's more information. These are just a few opportunities to be a part of God's abundance of so, so many. In fact, if you know of ways that your church family can animate God's abundance in your own circle, in your own community, please do share that with us. You can email me at julie at dot org. Or anyone on staff to share a need or to sign up for or get more details about any of the things mentioned today. Highway Family, we are called to not only be the hands and feet of Christ, we're also called to be his eyes and ears. Our collective awareness will always be greater than our individual awareness. And as we share needs and meet needs, God's expansive and abundant work is manifest. So, as we close, I invite you to consider taking a step towards becoming more aware of the needs of others or leaning into an act of generosity that God may be calling you to take. Perhaps that's within the context of a relationship you already have, or maybe. It's through a new one. What could that look like for you? What could that look like for our highway community? What unexpected story of redemption could God have in store to write through you and through us today? Would you pray with me? Father God, We come before you and acknowledge you as the giver of life and the giver of all good things. You are a good and awesome and abundant God and you love and look out for your creation. You manifest active and generous love and are aware of all things. Father God, as we your people consider what it means to be your presence here on earth. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear the needs of others. Would you soften our hearts as we become aware of those needs? And may we utilize our hands and our feet to do something about it. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, May all of these things point us and those around us towards the beauty and the reality of your resurrected Son, Jesus, and what you are making new in this world that you love so very much. We love you, Father, and we pray all of these things in the matchless name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.